For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a football Friday here on Birds 365. It's a good thing because we all love football Fridays. The scary thing is the opponent coming into town for the Kansas City Chiefs, for the Eagles uh, being the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. That's a little on the scary side. Your Mac and Mac guys here to talk about it and everything Eagle-related on this football Friday. J-Mac, you ready for a weekend of football? I am not, Jody. Struggling to get ready for the show. I got a lot of stuff going on in the household, but you got to get ready. You got to move forward uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And my goal is to find some positivity uh, for the Eagles entering into this game, because as you said, on paper, it doesn't look good. Looks like a mismatch. Let's see if we can find some positive avenues to go down because it is the NFL. It isn't uh, Alabama against Furman or something like that. There are good players on both sides of the football. We see this all the time. We see teams that figure, you know, there's always games you think you're going to win that you lose in this league. There's always games you think you're going to lose that you find a way to win. Hopefully it's the latter for the Eagles. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the latter for the Eagles, but you know, Steve Spagnuolo and that defense, pretty stinking bad over the first number of weeks of this season. So that's, I think, where you have to start. That's why the <clears throat> Kansas Chiefs are one and two. But that means they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder, which is not good for the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, I digress. Uh, first things first, you said uh, a little late for the show. Was that perchance because when you went outside with your dog this morning, you, like me, we're really tempted to go back inside and put on a jacket because I went out in my uh, golf shirt here and said, holy mackerel, fall really has arrived here. A little chilly out there side, outside this morning, JM. Yeah, it was very chilly, but uh, no, that was not the reason. I'm going to, I'm just going to say, I'm going to blame it on somebody else in my household. I was up in plenty of time, but a certain other someone that will go remain nameless uh, was not up uh, in time this morning. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I'll get in trouble if, you know, you get it, Jody. You're married. See how that plays. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, John Mack, a little bit of a surprise. Didn't know this was coming. I had not heard any rumors. You're on the beat. So maybe you had heard something along these lines. I was very surprised when I found out that the Eagles are actually going to have an addition to this Sunday's game against the Kansas City Chiefs, not just the three-touchdown beatdown they're going to take. Oh, am I tipping my hand? I'm sorry. Um, 
that there will be a ceremony on Sunday announcing the retirement <clears throat> of one Shady McCoy, that he is going to do the one-day contract thing with the Philadelphia Eagles. And despite the fact that Shady, after he left Philadelphia, had some very productive years in Buffalo, had some minute years that ended up with him getting a Super Bowl ring in both Kansas City and Tampa these last couple of years. He is an Eagle. He's been an Eagle. He'll be remembered as an Eagle. And he's going to make it official by retiring as an Eagle uh, after signing a one-day contract. And they're going to have some kind of ceremony for him on Sunday, including a press uh, gathering today. Uh, Mr. Eagles Beat reported, did you get details on that press gathering? Is it going to be live? Is it going to be via Zoom? Uh, how is Shady McCoy going to have his last session with the Philadelphia media? No, it's going to be live with us. He's going to be at Lincoln Financial Field. They go over uh, on home games, the Friday practice, they go over to the stadium uh, to practice. So he's going to have a press conference at Lincoln Financial Field before practice today. Um, yeah, and retire. It makes a lot of sense because obviously this is the week Andy Reid is coming back in. Andy Reid was the coach one Shady got drafted. Andy Reid is the coach he had. His most success uh, with, and, and by the way, for people who don't know, Shady finally got two Super Bowl rings, his final two seasons of his career, which well, he didn't contribute much to, but nonetheless, uh, the first one was with the Kansas City Chiefs. So Shady McCoy and Andy Reid got over the hump together in Kansas City. So it makes a lot of sense to do it uh, this week with Andy returning and, you know, we also joked that maybe Shady, because Shady said, you know, in the offseason he wanted to continue to play and all that kind of stuff. And maybe he saw the Eagles on, on Monday night giving it to the running back two times and said, all right, I'm done. Nobody, nobody wants to run in this league. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, yeah, Shady was done before the Eagles made the well, yeah. game planning uh, on Monday night against the Cowboys. <laughs> you're a writer, so uh, you're a wordsmith. If you had to describe Shady McCoy's two Super Bowl rings, how would you describe them? I would describe them as, uh, you know, lifetime achievement awards, uh, the heck of a player. But, I, you know, I, I always find this ironic more with quarterbacks than because people put so much weight on Super Bowl rings for quarterbacks. I always, you know, point out when John Elway was one of the best quarterbacks of all time, he was losing Super Bowls. When he won Super Bowls, he was at the end of the, his career. He wasn't nearly the dominant player he once was. He's probably the best example. And that turned into Terrell Davis's team, different era of football where he could have a dominant running back and, and build your offense that way. Also didn't play well in one of the Super Bowls. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, all you hear about is the Super Bowl ranks. First one, he had one of the worst Super Bowls of all time. Uh, you know, it gets lost in the wash uh, from a performance standpoint. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of guys, you know, Nick Sirianni, when he was talking to his players before the season started, 
and and Andre Dillard was talking about this yesterday. You know, you got to accept your role. Be a star in your role. You know, just because you don't deserve a Super He deserves his Super Bowl rings. He was on those teams. Those teams decided to sign Shady McCoy for a reason. So I do hear a lot of people say, well, he doesn't deserve those ranks. Yeah, he does. And if not, you know, when he was, you know, if not the best, I, I always said Shady for a span there, and he made the 2010 all-decade team. That's Adrian Peterson's wheelhouse, and he's considered to be the best running back, and he and he is the best runner by far. But I always thought Shady was the best, the most well-rounded running back uh, because he could catch the football. He could do more things than, than Adrian Peterson. So he was a great player, turned into a role player, you know, was on some good teams. So I, for the people that criticize that, I don't get it. I don't, but I think it needs to be held in proper perspective. He earned him. You're right. Everybody's on the team, gets a ring, deserves a ring, earned a ring. He's a little chintzy. That's all I'm going to say. That, uh, And especially when you are a player who is one of the best at your position for a period of time, just the Super Bowl season, just the ring, just the Kansas City Shady McCoy and the Tampa, even worse, uh, Shady McCoy, keep it in its proper perspective. He's along for the ride. He didn't really contribute much to the actual winning of that ring. But if you're on the team, you do get a ring. So I don't know if Shady is going to wear them proudly and uh, make Monday, <laughs> Wednesday, Friday is Tampa Day and Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday is uh, uh Kansas City day. I don't even know if he's ever going to wear them. But yeah, uh, I I don't know how he feels about it, and maybe he'll get that asked that question this morning. But um, I that to me it doesn't even enter the conversation. I don't even care about the player winning a Super Bowl because I know what it takes to win a Super Bowl. He was a great player when he wasn't winning a Super Bowl, and he wasn't a great player when he won two, which should tell everyone all they need to know. There's more that goes into it. Than one player. I don't think anybody's lo- looking at Shady McCoy at the height of his career and saying, oh, that was a bad running back. I don't think anybody who knows football is ever going to say that. But he didn't get over the hump. It's not necessarily his fault. At times, he probably made mistakes that led to losses as well. Everybody does in this league. But, yeah, I've always – and, again, it's probably more pronounced. And I'll use this example because I always say it here locally with the Eagles. You know, you remember the Super Bowl season with all the injuries. It wasn't just Carson Wentz. Uh, They had so many injuries all over. What they've lucked out is they weren't uh, uh, at one position. So they didn't have all the attrition on the offensive line. But the one guy who went down was Jason Peters. So I always tell the story. The next year we're at training camp and, you know, somebody who doesn't know Jason and, uh, you know, came up to him. And Gabe, the question is, how excited are you to get back on the field and and get a Super Bowl ring yourself? And if anybody has ever met Jason Peters knows, you know, pretty intimidating guy, um, just stared this uh, reporter down, who I've never seen again, by the way. (laughs) By the way, it was kind of an out-state, you know, Allentown. I don't know where he came from, but... um, TV guy. 
and just kind of stared him down. And he said three words, already got one. Because he was a big part of that team. He had confidence in himself. He knew what he what he meant to the organization. And I always said Carson Wentz took it a different way. And he was like upset that he wasn't involved. He wasn't on the field. And that's another reason where we are where we are with Carson Wentz, by the way. He was so important to that team. He was so important to that Super Bowl run. Didn't feel like that. I was like, Carson should listen to Jason Peters. Already got one. That's how Carson should have taken it as well. So, so much goes into winning a Super Bowl. I, 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 I never look at players, never look at players and say, oh, this guy's not a great player because he didn't win a Super Bowl. I just don't do it. Okay. Uh, fair enough. The, the reason I bring it up and where the conversation all leads to is a slot in Canton. Uh, all players get into the National Football League, come out of college, make an NFL team, first round draft, first overall pick, like we had two matching up last night, two undrafted free agents. You're doing so for several different goals, but one of which in the back of everybody's mind is, can I be great enough someday to be enshrined in the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio? Shady McCoy's accomplishments, I agree with you here that it will mostly be defined and broken down and studied by what he did over the life of his career and very little emphasis on the fact that he's a two-time Super Bowl champion because he really didn't contribute much to those two Super Bowl championships in his final two years, but he will be in the conversation for Hall of Fame because everything he did prior to those two Super Bowl championships. Do you think of Shady McCoy as a Hall of Fame player? I think he's a borderline Hall of Fame player. Anytime you're an all-decade player, um, I think that means you're in the conversation. Um, and as I said, he made the the 2010 all-decade team. Um, I don't ultimately. I don't think he he goes in. One of the reasons I don't think running back is as valued as it once was around the NFL. Uh, so people enter that into the equation. Again, I, I talk about this a lot with Dama. We've had other Hall of Fame voters on this show. More with quarterback. They put too much weight on, on Super Bowl rings. Um, not in this case, though. I, they won't consider. They won't say, oh, Shady's got two Super. That won't even come out of anyone's mouth. Because they understand the context of it all. Um so ultimately, if you're asking me, I, I think he's a borderline player. I think he doesn't get in. Um, but if he does get in, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I will say that. Here's where I'll take a different look at, quote unquote, the all decade team. Uh, NFL players, it's a violent game. You and I talk about it all the time. Uh, who is it that gives you the 100% chance to be injured uh, line? that uh, your chance to get hurt in the National Football League is 100%. I forget who it is you told me that. Oh, uh, Zach Ertz. I Zach mean, Ertz. lots of people have said it, but, yeah, Zach is – is somebody just said it last week. Now i got to think about who said it. But, yeah, it was Zach. If Zach said it, he's 100% correct. Uh, it's just a violent game, and you're not expected to have – a long-ranging career. Some positions stick around longer than others, but 
if anybody gets a decade and you had a hell of a career, relatively healthy over the course of a decade, God bless, count your lucky stars. You, you kept yourself in great condition. You got a little luck and you did it right. If you happen to break in in a year that ends in five, oh, five, 15, 25, 95, 85, whatever, and you play through the following five year, you get your decade in, but it's spread out over two decades, you might come up short in the old decade voting. Irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. What did you do in the 10 years you were in there? That's why I put much less emphasis on who made the decade team. It just means that your career kind of lined up with a, a decade, uh, the way that it falls on the calendar. Uh, you mentioned uh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, not close between Adrian Peterson and uh, Shady McCoy. Adrian Peterson was a far superior back and is going into the Hall of Fame. I'm with you on Shady. Debatable. If I had a vote to cast, it would be no. If he makes it, I'm not going to pull a Nick Sirianni and slam the table and say, what are we doing here? How can we put a guy? No, he's a borderline guy. And they put a bunch of borderline guys that I would vote no in the Hall of Fame over the last several years. So I surely wouldn't be shocked or surprised by it. And I wouldn't make a big stink about it because he's that close. But at the end yeah. of the day, when you cast your vote, it's a yay or an A, and it would be a nay for me. Well, I will say this. If you're a dominant player, you start. That's why I do. If, if you look, and I'll just pull up, for instance, 2010. I'll just go the offense because we got to get to a break, and we're going to get Ed Cratch and, and ship to the 49ers, uh, 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 the Kansas City Chiefs and the Eagles on Sunday. But here's just the offense of the 2010 All-Decade team. So I'll leave running backs for last. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, both going to Hall of Fame. Calvin Johnson's already in at wide receiver. The others are Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones. Everybody's going. If Antonio doesn't go, it will be for the off-the-field stuff. Right. Tight ends are Gronk and Kelsey. Tackles are Peters, Teron Smith, Joe Staley, Joe Thomas. Uh, guards are Jari Evans, Logan Mankin, Zach Martin, Marshall Yanda. Centers are Alex Mack, Marcus Pouncey. A lot of Hall of Famers on that list. A lot of Hall of Famers that are ultimately going to get in. Running backs are Peterson. You're right. He's the only slam dunk. Marshawn Lynch, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy. Um, that position is not as valued hold, as other hold positions. Hold on, hold on. How many guys is that at running back? Four. Four, four, there's four running backs, four receivers. Now, the put this is what I'm talking about, the value of the position. The four wide receivers are all no-brainers, with the only conversation being, are people going to hold Antonio Brown's off-the-field stuff against him? Right. On the field, he's a Hall of Famer. So uh, Larry Fitzgerald is a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Julio Jones, slam dunk. Calvin's already in because he retired early. All those four guys, again, it's not even a conversation. Running back's not as valued. Other than Peterson, who you're right, he's the one guy who's going to, uh, you know, collect his 200, go past, it doesn't have to stop. Uh, everybody else they're going to argue about. They're going to say Frank Gore was a, a stats compiler. Marshawn Lynch didn't go long enough. And Shady's, you know, what we just said, a borderline player. But if you make an all-decade team, 
you know, I would encourage you to look at those teams because that is a big, big deal in this league. I would, of those four guys, despite the fact that Frank Gore, as you said, has gaudier stats than any of the other three, I would put Shady second. But the question is, where do you draw the line? Do you draw it underneath all four and say, hey, they're all four Hall of Famers? Or do you draw it somewhere in the middle? Where I would draw it would be right after uh, Adrian Peterson, that he would be the only one that I would call a Hall of Famer out of those four backs from the all-decade team. All right. Eddie Kratz is ready to join us. We see him in our little window here. So we'll get a quickie timeout here. Return the conversation to Eagles Chiefs here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. It's a football Friday here on Bird 365. 
John McMullen, Jody McDonald, a.k.a. Mac and Mac. We add to that an Eddie K- E. Eddie Crash join, joining us here on Bird 65. And I know you're just chomping at the bit to get down to the link to talk to Shady McCoy. Jay Mac and I were just talking about it here on the show. Uh, you've been covering the team for a while. Go back to Shady's days. What's today going to be like? Talking about Shady's career as an Eagle and retiring as an Eagle. Is it going to be a love fest? Are there going to be questions about Chip Kelly? How's it going to play today, Ed Kratz? Well, I think it's both. It's good. It's going to be a love fest. Then there's going to be questions about Chip Kelly and, and maybe even some questions about, you know, some of uh, Shady's shady dealings in the past. You know, he's notorious for some off the field stuff as well. But, um, you know, I think a lot of that will get swept aside and it'll be kind of a love fest. And I heard you guys talking earlier about him, you know, in the Hall of Fame conversation. You think he's borderline? I, I agree. I think but I think he should be in. Um, like John said, a member of the all decade team, but you know, this guy, I think was one of the best running backs of, of his generation. Um, and, and I think that deserves merit when you think about the hall of fame. So I think today will be a happy love fest day. And it's really, it really came from out of the blue. I mean, nobody really had an inkling yeah. that it was going to happen. And we just got the announcement yesterday and, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting, the timing he'll be honored at halftime of Sunday's game. Uh, you know, where the coach that coached him for all those years and, uh, you know, helped him develop into the running back that he became is going to be in town, Andy Reid. Yeah, and Andy, obviously such a big part in Andy's offense, such a big part of Shady's career. And then ultimately they get back together in Kansas City. They both get over the hump together, which obviously Jody and I were talking about. Those two Super Bowl rings at the end of his career, not really in the conversation to put him in the Hall of Fame. I think the fact that he was the most well-rounded running back of his generation. Look, we put Adrian Peterson aside. He's a no-brainer. But Shady could do more things than Adrian Peterson was a better pass catcher, better pass protector. But uh, obviously when you have that – historic level of players and runner he's going to be placed on a different level and that part of it's understandable but I think he's number two I think he's better than uh Marshawn Lynch I think he's better than Frank Gore and anytime you're the second best player in the NFL at your position in a generation that's that's got to put you in a a, a good you just got to put you in the conversation yeah it's it's ironic that his two most unproductive seasons came in his last two years and they were also the years that he won you know his Super Bowl ring so uh, it didn't happen while he was in Philadelphia or Buffalo you know it's really amazing you can't separate LeSean McCoy from Chip Kelly I mean Chip Kelly trading him when he was in his prime I think 26 years old maybe 27 I think it was 26 years old for Kiko Alonso uh, I mean (laughs) Coming Kiko. off the of year, I mean, Shady had thirteen plus thirteen hundred yards rushing in that twenty fourteen season for Chip. Yeah, you know, I get. I don't know what happened. I don't know why he dealt him. But, personality you know, too big, too, too, too big. big a personality. But he still had a lot left. He went to Buffalo and ran for you know another three thousand plus yards and scored another twenty five touchdowns. So, you know, it's kind of a shame when you think about it that you know he couldn't just continue his career in Philadelphia. He had to go elsewhere and. You know, who knows? Maybe if he would have stuck around, he's on that 2017 Eagles team that wins the Super Bowl. The big yeah, question. I mean, it, if you think about that year he had uh, in Buffalo, he, he was still 
over a thousand yards that year. So, um, yeah, he was still a really effective player. Um, it's tough when you, when you go in those situations and people put such an em- emphasis on Super Bowl rings, um, his Super Bowl, although with Kansas City, he was a productive player that year. Uh, he just didn't play at the end of the season. Um, if you look at his numbers, I don't know. It was about 400 and something yards over 4.6. I'll you know, pull it up. 465 yards, 4.6 yards of carry, four touchdowns. It's not like he didn't contribute at all. Right. But, yeah, you're right. On that playoff run, he wasn't a part of it. Yeah. You know, so you kind of forget those 465 yards and however many touchdowns leading up to that Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, to me, I, you know, I would put him in the Hall of Fame. You know, you look at some of his numbers and how they compare to, you know, running backs that are already in there. And, you know, they don't take a back seat, really. Um, if you're just looking at numbers, um, I, I think he's in. The question is, will Shady say at halftime, Number 25 will always love you. I'm not sure <laughs> if he's going to go there. But uh, if he does, how's it going to play with the fact that the Eagles are down by two touchdowns at that point against the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, only two? I mean, come on. You know, you're giving the Eagles a lot of credit touchdowns. here. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Listen, uh, it, it'll be a celebration. You know, I think we'll see a lot of McCoy jerseys there on Sunday. <laughs> People still have them. I still see them, you know, in the crowds yeah. even today. So, uh, you know, we'll see some of that. And, um, you know, it, it'll add a little bit, you know, more juice, I guess you could say, to the game because we haven't talked about the game. But I'm not optimistic for the Eagles' chances on Sunday. Let's put it that way. No, I, I don't think any of us are. But I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying to change. I'm trying to be Ted Lasso. I'm trying to be Nick Sirianni. <laughs> so, all right, I'm looking at it, Ed. Kansas City Chiefs, 30th-ranked defense in the NFL. And they're amazingly consistent. 31, 31st-ranked run defense, 23rd against the pass, 31 in points per game, 28th in fourth down defense, 29th in red zone defense. This defense stinks. It stinks. <laughs> Cannot give the Eagles fans some hope. Well, you would think, you know, but my question is, is what what kind of coaching job are we going to see from Nick Sirianni? You know, you have to say these last two weeks have been, you know, very curious, you know, in his play design against the 49ers, his play calling against the 49ers, and then, you know, his game plan against the Cowboys where he says we're going to try to outscore them. To and that me, was, was bizarre. Oof. Very foolish. Uh, I mean, you know, to me, when, and listen, I'm not a coach, but when you have a team that's as high-powered of an offense as the Cowboys seemingly were, and look, the Cowboys do things differently than the Chiefs. They like to run the ball to set up the pass. The Chiefs just like to throw the ball down the field and mix in a run here and there. But, you know, when you have a, a very explosive offense, my thinking would be, hey, let's try to limit their touches. You know, let's try to control the ball by running the ball and sticking with it because we all have seen Miles Sanders. I mean, he's a home run hitter. We saw him last year with the three plus runs of over 70 yards. And, you know, if you give him the ball enough and you get that offensive line, which again is banged up. If you get them blocking downhill, 
you know, Sanders is going to break one. And you just threw out the numbers against the Chiefs. And sure, you, you can score against this defense, but you thought you could score against the Cowboys, too. It just wasn't a very good game plan coming in uh, to try to win a shootout. And you hope that's not the mindset going in uh, to, the, to Sunday's game. One of the explanations uh, slash excuses that Nick Sirianni used after the fact was, well, the situation in the game kind of dictated that we had to throw the ball as much as we did. Uh, his explanation of RPOs count as runs when the quarterback <laughs> keeps the ball and then throws it. No coach. I don't know anybody who thinks that way, but that's okay. You want to try and stick to that story. Fine. Um, if they get down 14 to nothing, is he just going to abandon the run again, Ed Kratz? Well, I mean, if he's down 14 to nothing, you hope it's early and he doesn't abandon the run because when he says that the game got away from them, uh, listen, it's 20 to seven at halftime and the Eagles have the ball coming out of the half. Okay. You're still in the game. Uh, you put up a touchdown there. Now the Cowboys put up a touchdown on the pick six when Devontae Smith falls down on his route. And it's 27 to 7, but still the Eagles close to 27 14, and they get the ball back still down that margin with four minutes to go in the third quarter. They pick up a first down, but they they threw six times. Uh, you know, you can still run the ball in that situation. Uh, it was interesting to hear Sanders when we talked to him earlier in the week mention that there was some panic uh, on the sidelines. And, you know, you cannot have that um, because. I don't buy the fact that they weren't in that game. Yeah, okay, they're down two touchdowns, but it's 13 points. You have the ball four minutes to go. You're still in this game. I mean, you hope that this is just a green, very green play caller in Nick Sirianni, uh, very new, obviously, to wearing the head, the main headset. You hope that he's learning some lessons here and, and you know, able to grow from some of these uh, last couple weeks. Yeah, Ed, you mentioned uh, he said the game got away from them. <laughs> the game really got away from him, him being Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff. Because, yeah, I thought Mike McCarthy did the Eagles a favor at the end of the half with his time mismanagement. Yes. And the Eagles, remember, were getting the football coming out of the locker room. There was a chance to to get right back in that football game, ultimately – the pick six happens, but then they get back into it again, at least within two scores, as you mentioned. There's no need to panic and, and go away uh, from your entire plan and, and just start chucking the football. Um, so I do think Nick Sirianni has to learn from that. But Miles was a good soldier, but he let his real feelings kind of seep through at times. You mentioned the panic quote. He also said, to have a good offense, you got to run the football, but I'm not a coach. I mean, at, at, did, are, did we see our first crack in the foundation? I know behind the scenes, you know, there were people there that weren't happy with the way that press conference went. Are we starting to see things get away from Nick Sirianni? Well, you know, listen, if it, if it continues along this path, where there's some very curious game planning and play calling in key situations, then yeah, we could, we could see more of a Fisher kind of develop here. But uh, right now I, it might just be, you know, one, one player kind of saying what he felt and listen, you know, Sanders really, like you said, he was the good soldier. You know, he said that, you know, he's not here to question anything or criticize anyone. And um, but yeah, he, he did let his emotions sift through a little bit there. So 
I, we might see more of that, John, if, if this continues. And right now, I don't see any reason why it's not going to continue. Now, I'm not saying the Eagles can't call a very good game and run the ball and do the things they think they need to do to win, or to win and they don't. Uh, but Sirianni makes some good calls. He has a good game plan. He's mixing in the run, the pass, and, and the Eagles don't find a way to win. I, I think you know players would probably be okay with that. But if you're going in and you're getting dusted 21 nothing or 28 to seven by the Chiefs at halftime, you might see more of this bubble up. Sure, Eddie, I don't want to steal optimism points from my partner here, uh, but I will. <laughs> uh, looks like they're going to have their starting safety back first time this year. McLeod played uh, full participant in practice. We conjectured as to how much time he was going to be out by the fact that they didn't put him on IR at the beginning of the season, getting him back by week number four, if that's the case against the Chiefs this week. How much does that enhance the defense? Well, it certainly will help, uh, no doubt. I mean, you know, you lose Brandon Graham, the heart and soul, a big veteran on the team, and now you're it looks like it's trending toward McLeod playing. And yeah, that's going to help the back end for sure. Um, you know, but listen, he, he's been out now for almost a year or, you know, close 10 months, something like that since he tore his ACL. I mean, you know, he's going to have, I guess, some rust and a little bit of maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe a little bit, of, you know, he, he won't be as effective as he will be maybe in, you know, week seven when he's had a couple games under his belt. But yeah, it's, it's a big help, especially when you lose, you know, another safety cave on Wallace, well, you know, with a separated shoulder, he's on IR now. So yeah, having McLeod back, I think will help. But again, this is a chief's offense that, you know, that even on bad days, their offense is still very good. So, uh, you know, McLeod, he'll help in this game, but I think his presence will be more felt as the weeks go on. Offensive line, Ed, because I was the one who created Kirk <laughs> Buffle down there. By asking Nick Sirianni what he's going to do moving forward at the offensive guard position. Now, the problem, Landon Dickerson, they want to play. They want to get him up to speed. Now we know Isaac Sayamalo is out for the season. Brandon Brooks is going to be back at some point in theory. So my question is, do you move Landon Dickerson to left guard, leave him there for the rest of the year? Do you keep him a right guard, then move him? When Brandon Brooks comes back, Nick Sirianni didn't want to answer that question, thought he had a competitive advantage. I'm not sure I agree with him, but nonetheless, they want to keep that advantage. They don't want us reporting who's going to start on the offensive line, and we can't report it anyway because they were just rotating everybody in the small portion of practice that we can see. So let's do some speculation we know Andre Diller's going to start at left tackle again. Jordan Mailata is not going to be able to go with a sprained knee. What do you think they're going to do with the offensive guard positions? Uh, yeah, I don't think Andy Reid's losing much sleep over, uh, you know, the Eagles keeping this guard decision to themselves. So he's probably just happy Brandon Brooks that won't be playing. But, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, they have options, there's no doubt. And, you know, one of those options could be Jack Driscoll, who was – playing some guard, you know, during training camp. Now he's still on injured reserve. He was put there at the start of the year with a pec strain. Um, they haven't added him from off of IR, I should say, though. They opened up the 20-day window where he could practice, and we did see him practice yesterday. He looked okay to me in the short time we were able to watch. 
So he's in the mix, but they don't like Nate Herbig on the left side. Nate Herbig started 12 games at right guard. Well, mostly at right guard last year. Uh, Doug Peterson never liked to disrupt two offensive line spots to cover one hole, but that was Doug Peterson. Uh, but Jeff Stoutland's still here. We'll see what the philosophy is now with Nick Sirianni, with, if he will move Landon Dickerson to left guard, because that's the job that is going to be open all season long because Isaac Ciamalo is not coming back. So if you want uh, Dickerson to get comfortable at that left guard spot over these final 14 games, then yeah, you're going to move him to the left side and you're going to probably put, I don't know who <laughs> right guard again, speculation. Sua Opeta could be an option. Uh, Nate Herbig is better on the right side, so he could play that right guard spot. And then Jack Driscoll, uh, is also a possibility. If they bring him off IR today or Saturday, then I think that that could be the way they go, is Landon at left guard and Driscoll at right guard. Ed, uh, Johnny and I spoke about this after the game on Monday and after uh, the coach's press conference when he talked about accountability and how do you uh, hold your players accountable when they continually get called for penalties, some of them from the foolish variety and not only lead the league in penalties, have opened up a significant number of uh, penalties as compared to everybody else in the league. And his point about, uh, we pointed out, and then if it's really bad, we really pointed out, raising his voice kind of annoyed <laughs> me a little bit. Uh, here's my question for the coach as far as accountability goes. Should Quez Watkins get the first most number of snaps at wide receiver this week, the second most number of snaps this week, or where he's been the third most number of snaps? Because truth be told, he's made more plays than anyone else at the wide receiver position so far. Uh, if you're talking about accountability, when does production in three games, now we've got three games under our belt, production on the field actually start to dictate how many snaps you get during a game at a position where you've got a lot of guys who you're trying to get into the action? Well, I would say that they're trying to grow all three of these wide receivers, you know, and yeah, there's no question Quest has been very productive uh, when given the opportunity. You know, he makes plays. You know, he's able to get downfield deep and, and get separation. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if they'll give him more snaps over someone like a Rager or Smith. I just think they want all three to kind of grow together. Um, and, and as far as the penalties go, I mean, to say that, you know, we'll put pull somebody out if he's continued to make, make penalties. I mean, this isn't high school where you can sit someone on the bench. I mean, you, you just have to keep talking to them, like you said, and pointing out to them that this is what we can't have. And you know, the biggest offender in penalties has been Lane Johnson and this offensive line. I mean, everybody likes to give Derek Barnett, you know, a hard time and deservedly so. I mean, Barnett commits some foolish penalties, uh, you know, the, the, all the roughing the passers and unnecessary roughness stuff that he does after the whistle uh, is unacceptable. But he just has the two penalties. Lane Johnson has five. He's been called for holding four times. You know, that's got to stop. I mean, that's a big reason why this offense is – playing behind the proverbial sticks, you know, on so many series while they're facing yeah. first and 20 or second and 15, you know, it's the holding calls. It's the pre-snap stuff, you know, the, the jumping off sides, uh, you know, illegal man downfield, which has been a point of emphasis for NFL officials, but just too many penalties, 35 of them. I think that you'll be able to get Quez Watkins more involved if 
you're in more of a, you know, first and 10 or second and five situation where you can take advantage of that skill set where he can get deep and you can take a deep shot if you're in third and or you know second and four you know you can you can throw the ball deep and that's where Watkins comes in so I think it all starts with the penalties you need to not commit penalties and stay ahead of the sticks I mean they're on pace to shatter the NFL record the Raiders set back in 2011 with 163 penalties the Eagles are on pace for 190 plus penalties at some point you hope it evens out but you know, some of these holding calls, they're legitimate. You know, you see them on replays and jumping off sides. You can clearly see that. They, they need to stop that on the offensive line for this offense to be successful. It has more to do than just Watkins and Smith and, 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 uh, and, and Rager. You, you need to fix that offensive line. And that's where Jeff Stantlin has to come in. He, he's got to get these guys to play more disciplined. Ed, I know you got to run because uh, you got to get down there for Shady's press conference. Uh, I do want to mention you can read Ed and me, uh, but Ed mainly, <laughs> EagleMaven.com uh, or SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles if you want to make it more difficult for yourself. Um, I do want to get your quick thoughts on Jalen Hurts because we haven't even gotten to the quarterback. And this season, a lot of the season should be about figuring what you have at that position. We're only three games in. Where are you? with Chandler Hurts. What's your thoughts moving forward hmm. with uh, seven starts under his belt? Yeah. Uh, listen, again, I think it just comes down to the game planning. I, you know, there was a lot made that Sirianni's going to put him in good position, but you know, let's see some designed runs. Let's take the ball out of, of Hurts' hands a little bit with this RPO stuff and just call for a handoff. You know, they say the running game is the quarterback's best friend and, you know, the Eagles haven't been able to do that yet. Um, you know, I think Jalen has been inaccurate at times. I don't think you can put that second interception in Dallas on him. The first one, absolutely, he underthrew it. But listen, you know, unless you're Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, we saw Rodgers in game one this year throw some picks, but over his career, Rodgers just doesn't throw many of those. But that's an anomaly. You know, I think, you know, Hurts, if you can get a season where he only throws 10 picks, that's pretty good. But now he has a banged up offensive line. And that was one of the criteria that when I talked, when we talked to Howie and I asked him what kind of tangible benchmarks do you set for Jalen Hurts to determine if, yeah, he's the guy in 2022. And he, he didn't set any, you know, wins number or touchdown number. He said that the offensive line needs to stay healthy so he can be the best player he can be. And his young weapons need to develop. So the first criteria is out the window. The O-line's not healthy. Um, but in my opinion, I don't think we can judge Hertz yet. Uh, I think it's going to be a full body of work here. We're going to see how he does over 17 games, if he can stay healthy. Um, and then we'll be able to make that determination. So right now I, I still think he can be the guy, you know, he has things to work on. Um, but it's still too early to say yet. No, he's not the guy seven starts. And you can, I just discount those four starts from last year. Uh, you know, they were all tiptoeing around Carson Wentz. I'm not sure how much there was being game planned for Hertz. I'm not sure. There, I'm pretty sure there was very little development of Hertz because Carson's still in the building. You didn't want to offend him. Uh, so I kind of discount those four games. Uh, I'm looking at this season and right now, three games to me is too small a body of work. All right, Eddie, we had you on and we'll let you run in a second. Um, the football Friday before the opener against the Falcons. And you made a pick on the game and gave a score on the game. And your score was exactly the same as my score, which I already had written down. So I said, all right, I'm with good company if Ed Kratz and I have the same score. And we both had Eagles winning a close game. They actually won handily. 
Yeah. I've already got my score written down for Sunday's game. Let's see if Ed Kratz and I are on the same page again. Uh, Final score after 60 minutes of football down at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday will be what, Ed? Well, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs 31, the Philadelphia Eagles 20. Um, You know, listen, the Chiefs, the Cowboys put up 41 on them, and the Chiefs certainly have that ability. But I'm I'm putting some faith in the fact that the Eagles are going to try to control the clock a little bit this weekend. Um, so that will hopefully limit the touches of the Chiefs. So 31 points seems low when you're talking about Kansas City. It could go higher, but I just don't see the Eagles being able to score 20 or holding the Chiefs out of the 30. So I'll go 31-20 Chiefs. Eddie, uh, give my regards to Shady. Tell him I said hi and uh, just don't go out partying with him afterwards. You you, you don't want to buy into <laughs> no. any of the drugs. Hopefully you get a better tip if you see. You know, yeah. more don't, than, don't board more the than... party bus is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, I'm exactly. driving a party bus to Jersey. What, what's your score, Jody? Uh, I can't give it out this early. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna hold gonna make on until me... till next segment. Okay. Uh, I'll let you know right. when yes, I get down uh, there. Johnny Mack will report on my score. Ed, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. As All right, always. thanks, Ed Gratz, Eagles uh, coverage for SI. And whenever he hops on board with us here on Birds 365, we appreciate his contribution. All right, J-Mac, J-Mac, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, coming back. More Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. 
and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We are your Mega Mac guys here on Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, they crashed already taking off for the link. Are you going down as soon as this show ends, Johnny Mac? Are you going to make it uh, over without getting a speeding ticket on the Walt Whitman Bridge? Uh, going to make it over in time to get involved in the uh, Shady Love Fest? It is. I am leaving immediately after the show. Touch and go uh, to whether I can make it down for Shady. Um, but I will be there for Nick Sirianni, which is the mere, more important part. Nothing against Shady, but Ed can handle Shady. I'm not concerned. Now, uh, what time is Sirianni talking today? I know he, uh, during the preseason, they like to move it to uh, before practice. Same uh, ordeal during... Now, Fridays are after practice. It's after, usually that's... before practice. Uh, but Fridays are a real short practice. Uh, it's 12. I'm trying to look it up as we speak. Sometime after 12, 12, 15, 12, 30, somewhere in that range. All right. So uh, the Shady thing is taking place at 11. Will the Eagles be practicing while Shady is having his press conference? No. uh, I think the practice starts at 1125. Um, I'm pulling out the exact. Um, the, 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 the practice starts at 1125. Nick is at 1235. So there we right. go. So, Shady's uh, at 11. half of you media guys will do. You, are you allowed to watch any of Friday's practice? Yeah, about 10 minutes, uh, just warm ups, uh, really quick. You're in and out. So, typically, if you're there early, you got to drive over to Lincoln Financial Field, drive back. <laughs> Now it's only across the street, you know, right? Less than a mile, but nonetheless, it's a pain who, in the you know. Who market. plays security guard and says, "All right, folks, everybody out." Uh you mean out of practice? Yeah. Uh one of the PR guys. It's usually Bob Lang or Brett Strosacker or John Gano. They blow the whistle and they say, "That's it," and they wave wave the hand, and you got to get out. And, it's not and- like you can. You can hide somewhere. There's I was only a... say, as, uh, who's always the dawdler? Who's the last one out? Who's trying to get the last little peek at practice? I'm in that conversation. I'm in that conversation. Usually what you do is try to start a conversation. I shouldn't say this on the air because they'll figure it out. You try to start a conversation with one of the PR people and slowly walk to the gate. Try to get as many looks back as he can there you go as a reporter after our own heart john mcmullen trying to get every last little nugget and it'll be interesting today because the whole shady thing is involved um john i do want to ask you about you asked kratz about the the quarterback position and i did want to double down on that because uh, i watched thursday night football last night 
And uh, Trevor Lawrence actually made some plays. I thought he was pretty damn good with his legs. He had a nice touchdown run in which he juked a defensive player and dove into the end zone. And I, I knew full well. I watched almost every single one of his Clemson games, and I thought his uh, ability to run the football was actually kind of underrated. I don't know how you can really be underrated when you're the first overall pick, but just uh, the general conversation about him, everyone talks about how great he was throwing the football as well. He should have because he does throw it real well, but he was a guy who was also could had the ability to make plays with his legs and Urban Meyer is getting that out of him. But the better of the two quarterbacks last night was Joe Burrow. Uh, who was the individual we had on, John? My memory is failing me today because I couldn't remember Zach Ertz being the one who said, your uh, injury uh, chances are 100% if you play in the NFL. Who was the individual we had on as a guest who said they had some potential concerns about Joe Burrow going into this year because he was coming back from as massive a knee injury that he was, that he might not have that same bottom half that he did when he was setting records at LSU and stamping himself the number one overall pick. Who was well, that? Do you remember? I, I was I said that when I was talking because he had the same injury as Carson Wentz. So I went through it and Carson was never the same. Uh it was more than an ACL tear, uh, tear. it was also the LCL. So it was pretty significant injury. But then Mike I think it was Mike Tannenbaum um That's exactly said, who it was. Yes, yeah, sir. Said he he had a very slight uh bottom half that he was concerned about coming into the draft, whether it could hold up. And then obviously he got injured in year one with a significant injury, but he's looked fine. I'm a little surprised by that, to be honest. He's, he's played very well. And so is Jamar Chase after a really poor preseason. If you heard some of the reports coming out of Cincinnati, he was shaping up to be a disaster. And all of a sudden the lights go on and wow, he can play. There are certain guys who are just, they really are, you know, practice is a grind for whatever reason. They're going to lose their focus and they're going to drop the football. And then the big day shows up and they're great. And, you know, as a coach, you got to weigh that. And if you're a good coach, you're going to live with it. Um, but you got to perform on game days, obviously. So, yeah, Joe, Joe has looked really good. That's a really positive sign for an organization that has not been really any good since they lost Marvin Lewis. Uh, people joke about that, but they made the playoffs, I think, it was six straight times. Now, they couldn't win a playoff game. Right. But, again, if you're grading on a curve in the his and you know the history of the Cincinnati Bengals, that's a pretty good run with Marvin Lewis. And they've been a disaster – Ever since he left, I think Zach Taylor had six wins coming into this year, his first two seasons. Um, they finally look like they might be turning the corner a little bit. And you're exactly right. It was Mike Tannenbaum, because that did surprise me, because he was really strong in his point that he had questions about yeah. Uh, yeah. Burrow going into this season because it was as massive an injury as it was. And he, yeah, he worried about his lower base to begin with. Oh, he's looked damn good so far these first three games, four games. And the Bengals are three and one. So if you think that 
media guys like us, so maybe I'll point the finger at myself. I uh, don't want to speak for John, but that we make too big a deal out of the quarterback that it is a 22 man game, if not a 45 man game. Uh, don't kid yourself. The quarterback moves the needle much more so than anybody else at any other position. Joe Burrow has the Cincinnati Bengals three and one. Uh, they've got some other guys who are making like play. You said the Jamar Chase thing, which was uh, made me smile. I said the same thing here on Birds 365 on Monday. You were down in Dallas, but when Jeff Kerr was in your stead, I said, funny how all those reports about Jamar Chase dropping the ball all through preseason. Uh-oh, did the Bengals screw this up? Should they have taken Panay Sewell? Did they put too much emphasis on the fact that Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase were teammates back at LSU? He's done nothing but make plays since the season started. So it's one thing we get overly excited about a guy whose career, and you think that Jamar Chase is going to be a decade wide receiver. We overjudge the first couple of games. No, we're now overjudging preseason and practices. Ooh, the guy drops the ball. Is he a potential bust? Please stop. Jamar Chase is a stud, and he's going to be a stud, as is Joe Burrow. So that gets in a roundabout way back to my point about the quarterback position. You got to get that right. You can talk about the coach. You can talk about the offensive line. You can talk about the defense. You can talk. All those things are important. You're just clicking down the list to get to them because here's number one, quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback, you're not going to be able to accomplish what you want, which is to be a Super Bowl contender and make a run and take a shot for it. It all starts at the quarterback position, and Cincinnati is better. You're right. Uh, the coach most likely to be fired prior to this season was his guy in Cincinnati because he had had two mediocre seasons his first without a quarterback the red rifle on his last legs when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And uh, then Joe Burrow comes in, looks okay. That now infamous tie against the Eagles last year. And then he goes down immediately thereafter. Well, no wonder his team didn't win because you're dealing with a backup quarterback. QB is it. And you got to start right there, which is the reason why we always come back to Jalen Hurts. Because we have yet to determine whether he's the quarterback for this team. He goes in a matchup this week against Patrick Mahomes. Anybody compared to Patrick Mahomes is probably not a fair fight, but the Eagles are going to take their chances against the Chiefs this week. I think one of the things that if he does succeed and he does become the Eagles quarterback going forward, it'll be because he's got his head screwed on straight. He doesn't get too up. He doesn't get too down. He is a nice, even keel kind of guy. 
but they're all competitors and they all want to be as good as the guy who's across the field from them. Is this a bad matchup for the Eagles and specifically their quarterback this week because he's going to try and do too much as compared to Patrick Mahomes that sometimes quarterback, when they match up at Mahomes, they try and go mano a mano with him and it doesn't work. Do you have any fears about that in the Eagle Chief matchup on Sunday? I don't have any fears about that. I have fears the coach will try to go uh, mano a mano. Then that's the problem. I mean, that's not how you beat Patrick Mahomes. You got to go about it a different way. You know, back during draft season, I remember because people would kill me. McMullen's too uh, 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 hard on Jalen Hurts. This that you you see even with technically bad teams you you can see the talent of, of trevor lawrence and, and joe burrow coincidentally both number one overall picks i mean you talk about the cincinnati Bengals and saying well when you stink as badly as they have for such an extended time you're getting joe burrow at number one you're getting jamar chase at what was he number five i think you know you're getting these players who have extraordinary physical gifts for their particular positions it's a little bit easier you start to go down in the draft down Jalen Hurts ends up going 53 this is what guys like um uh Daniel Jeremiah were talking about during the pre-draft process uh all these draft people we had on Rick Saratella I I mentioned I I think the number was 13 uh I went through them and said you know, compare these first round picks, all the top tier quarterbacks to Jalen Hurts from a skill set standpoint. They said it's not close. It was 13 to nothing. Usually you can't get people to agree where to go out for lunch. Everybody, I, that concerned me. If you remember, I said at the time, Jody, there's a difference in the skill set level. I think you can see it just from the eye test. If you're watching Thursday night football, Jalen's not capable of slinging the football like those guys. He's just not capable. So to me, and I started thinking about this, and it was last night's game that got me thinking about this. Probably going to write a column about this at some point. This season is about week one. You schemed up Jalen Hurts, and you were very successful, and you won a football game, granted against a bad opponent. Week two you start throwing the football down the field, it looks ugly. Week three, you're throwing the football again too much. It looks ugly. To me, this is about, and again, I've called this a type offense, and that's not a criticism. That's just what you have to do to take advantage of the strengths of your quarterback. So to me, the question for the Eagles is this, Jody. Can you win with that type of offense? And is that type of offense acceptable to you and Jeffrey Lurie and the people that matter? If it isn't, you got to go in a different direction. Because I heard Greg Gosello, I have tremendous, tremendous respect for it. He was on our friend Ross Tucker's podcast. And he said, they need to, to open up the offense, uh, for Jalen Hurts. They need to go more traditional, more traditional play action, hand the football off, set them up that way. I think the exact opposite. I might be wrong. I think they have to do what he did at Oklahoma and Alabama. 
And that was what they did in week one. Short stuff, bubble screens, quick one read, two read, go, design quarterback runs, RPOs, which aesthetically I hate. But if you want to be successful, that's what you have to do with this quarterback. So do the Eagles want to do that? That, to me, is the bigger question. Do you want to build around this quarterback, or do you want the more traditional passing quarterback who can sling the football all over the place? Right. And if you want the latter, sorry, Jody, if you want the latter, you got to go in a different direction. Here's where I'm going to diverge from your stance. Do we know that Jalen Hurts is the guy yet? Or do we know that Jalen Hurts is not the guy yet? Or are we still in the, we're evaluating it and we need to impart, make decisions on Sundays to help that evaluation. If you're saying we we need to do, we need to prioritize what gives us the best chance to win every single week for all 18 weeks, 17 games, 18 weeks this season. Okay, that's one thing. If you want to say, no, no, listen, the outcome of the game is irrelevant. The number one task is to figure out if Jalen Hurts is our guy, if he can do what we want him to do, the way we want him to do it, and let the chips fall where they may. And if that means 3-15, and 15, uh, so 3-14, so be it. Or are you trying to balance the two? Are you trying to get a good read on Jalen Hurts, put him in certain situations so you can evaluate whether he's the guy going forward, not put him in other situations? That's a balancing act, and that's the most difficult of the three, but you can look at it any one of the three ways. I'm not sure how the Eagles are looking at it yet, and I think they need to make that call that, hey, we need because you and I had the disagreement earlier in the week about signing uh, Jamie Collins, who's a guy I think could come in and help them win football games right now. Does it help the Eagles in the long run? Surely not. He's 32 years old. It costs him a little cap money this year. Uh, that they could roll over to next year when it could be more advantageous. I know what the downside is. I think the upside outweighs the downside. That's why I would have made a move for a guy like Collins. But that's taking a stance of, are we trying to win football games right now? They need to make that call on Hurts. I don't know that they need to verbalize it to John McMullen or Jody McDonald or anyone else, but behind closed doors down at the Novacare Complex, they have to decide, what is our main goal this year? Are we trying to get Jalen Hurts wins while we go back and forth and deciding whether he's the guy? Do we put as a priority just deciding whether he's the guy or not? Or we'll, we'll figure that out because we're just that good. We have to do everything we have to to win games because it's a winnable division. I don't know. The Eagles have made that call yet. Have you? Um, That's a good question. I think they have made that call. Um. I think they say to the public that this is about figuring out where we are with Jalen Hurts. Um, You know, can he be the long-term answer of this organization? I think that's the, for public consumption uh, way they've gone about it. Behind the scenes, remember, they watch practice every day. They don't get kicked out like I get kicked out. Uh, they have a firm grasp on the talents and the skills and the abilities of this quarterback more than any other team, even teams that were interested in the draft and did all their homework. They've now had him in the building. 
they understand what they have at the quarterback position. Uh, certainly the coaching staff. Um, so I think they've made their decision. And I think the ultimate decision, and that's what I said, the ultimate decision is, can you ship Jeff- Jeffrey Lurie's philosophy? Jeffrey Lurie has had a consistent history of wanting an innovative pass uh, ahead of the curve passing offense. That's how he thinks you have to win in the NFL. He wants Patrick Mahomes. He wants the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants that type of offense. How do you get there? You can't get there with Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry. If that offends people, I'm sorry. You can't get there. That's not an insult. That's not an insult. Very few teams can get there. But if that's the goal, you can get there closer. You know, Joe Burrow might not get there. Trevor probably won't get there. Trevor Lawrence probably won't get there. And that's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or even some say John Elway. He probably won't get there. But they got a heck of a lot better of a chance, better of an opportunity. I think the Eagles know. And I think the shady, uh, and I, you know, I'll use that term today for a double entendre because Shady McCoy is retiring. The shady sort of backroom dealings. Hey, what's going on with Deshaun Watson? What's what's going on? What's that tells you all you need to know? Tells you all the need. I'm going to say here. What what is it? I'm going to call it October first, Halloween. We have turned the calendar. Well, Halloween's not to the end of the month, but no, uh, but it's Halloween month. That's Halloween month. Yes. Um, the Eagles will have a different quarterback at this time next year. I would tend to agree. And here's the one thing I will say about Jalen Hurts. And I might be wrong about this, but this is just because I really like the young man. So do I. If the Eagles go in another direction, and I'm not saying that it's Deshaun Watson, I would actually bet against it being Deshaun Watson. Well, I don't I don't think he's coming here. No. Um, I think it's much better chance that they're going to draft a quarterback with a first round draft pick, be it theirs be it the Dolphins, probably not the Colts, be it a pick that they acquire by moving up to get higher in the first round. I think there's a better, much better chance that it's a rookie quarterback than it is uh, Deshaun Watson. I think Jalen Hurts will be okay as the backup. And that's a revelation in this town because we saw what happened last year with the football team when, God forbid, the coach made a decision, we need to get a look at another quarterback, and Carson Wentz lost his mind. And don't know that he's ever recovered his mind since then. I think Jalen Hurts will be okay. And I think media guys will um, continue to try and stir the pot and see if they get him to say something and I used to be the starter. How is it now being the bench guy? I think I think he'll handle it perfectly fine because he's handled everything else perfectly fine since he became the man here in Philadelphia. Well, I don't think we stir the pot. I think that's an obvious question. If that happened, I mean, you have to ask Jalen Hurts that question. I don't, you know, people might think it's stirring the pot, but that's just people asking relevant questions. But right. I, well, I, I will say, I agree with you in that, Jalen Hurts will accept the role, uh, be a good teammate, 
but it'll be for his rookie contract. He'll be out of here because somebody there's always quarterback desperate teams in this league. And somebody will say, I'm okay with winning a different way. See what I'm saying when I'm, when I'm saying the Eagles are going to have a different quarterback next year. And I know people are going to take that out of context. I'm saying the Eagles don't want to run this type of offense to be successful under Jalen hurts. So to me, it ends the conversation right there. They don't want to be that type of team. Somebody else, a more open-minded philosophy, will say, I don't care how I win. If I win, I win. I don't give a you-know-what. And they will say, I'll take the kid. I'll run what he runs. I'll do what he likes to do. I'll build my offense around him. Bottom line is Jeffrey Lurie doesn't want that offense. Doesn't want it. So if you don't want that offense, why are you even having this conversation? That's where I think the Eagles are. You're probably right, but I would uh, reference the opposition coming up for Sunday, who was Andy Reid, who had several different offensive internations when he was here in town. He's had another one since he's gone to Kansas City. He's had different quarterbacks. Donovan McNabb, certainly different from Patrick Mahomes. And Andy Reid was the kind of coach who could make his philosophy fit the talent that he had. And I've always no, said I, I agree with that. But the one, you know, Andy might be the most innovative offensive coach ever. Um, and he's, you know, he, he was running the pistol and he was having people coming in, teaching him the college offenses more quicker than anybody else. Maybe, well, maybe Bill Belichick as usual beats Andy. Um, but it's one, two, either way which I think is ironic because they're so, you know, they're older and people assume innovation is, is about Sean McVay and the younger guys. They're the most innovative coaches in the NFL. They remain the most innovative coaches in the NFL. But Andy's offenses have always been pass-driven. They do it in different ways, but he's always made, and, and Jeffrey Lurie happy when he was here till the very end in the shelf life. And by the way, I think if Jeffrey Lurie can get him back, he'd take him back now. But um, I, 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 I'm putting it more on the, the, the organization than the coach. The coach wants uh, Jalen Hurts to be successful. The coach wants uh, to scheme around Jalen Hurts. I, I don't think it's the coach's problem. He wants to take advantage of the strengths of his quarterback. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie wants that type of offense, bottom line. I don't think he likes it. I don't think he wants to be around it. And I think he wants to go in a different direction. That's that's where I think it all starts from. And you may well be right, John. And I have issue with that because I think the owner should be concerned about winning. And there are more than one ways to skin a cat. And if you have certain players, a certain coach, you've made decisions, you put certain things in place. I agree. <laughs> I'm all choked Let up you, about yeah, this. I feel all, so I, strongly I, about I, it. I agree with you. I agree with you, Jeffrey Lurie. Uh, you know, and we go back to Doug Peterson in Green Bay and upsetting Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field, but he did it running the football. And he's like, Hey, why are we running the football so much? 
going into one of the most difficult places to play against one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in an industry that's supposed to be all about winning. You win the football game and you're getting complaints about how you won the football game. I, I think mean, it, I, that sums it up to me. Yeah, it should all be about winning. I don't, uh, if I'm the owner, I don't care how I win. I don't care whether I'm above the curve, ahead of the curve, behind the curve, at the curve, riding the curve. Just tell me the curve ends in a win and I'll be okay with it. Uh, they, they need to be careful about how they go forward if it is too much, uh, uh, too heavy reliant on we must do it this way. Like I just said, there are different ways to skin a cat. All right, we got a cool cat coming up next. We're scheduled to talk to one Derek Gunn, host of the Post Game Show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. D Gunn joins us next. Keep it right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Birds 365 on the Friday. Mac, 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 Joined by another Jacob Media YouTube channel superstar, our buddy from Eagles Post Game Live, Derek Gunn hops aboard. D Gunn, how you been? Good, man. How you guys doing this morning? Doing well, D Gunn. Let's start out with Shady McCoy because yeah. Shady's going to uh, have his press conference, going to be honored Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Andy Reid back in the house, which I think is apropos. You were around Shady for a lot of years. I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Which way do you go in the Hall of Fame discussion? I, I, I don't think he'll get in the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I think he needed maybe another year or two of decent numbers. Uh, he had a decent career, no question about it, uh, especially with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I think he, he will definitely be in the Eagles Hall of Fame. He's the all-time leading rusher. Uh, but when it comes to the Hall of Fame, um, I, I just I just think he's on the outside looking in by the slimmest of margins. You are on. You and I are on the exact same page. Close, yeah, yeah. but no cigar, just a little bit short. But right. I've been wrong about Hall of Fame guys before, and maybe I'll be wrong about Shady. Yeah. We shall see. Um, Jalen Hurts going to make the Hall of Fame. Is this the week that it breaks out? The beginning of the Hall of Fame run for Jalen Hurts. Um, um, well, let's put it like this. Um, if you remember a few years ago when Kansas City won their Super Bowl, they began their year at four and five. They were up and down the first nine games of the season. Then all of a sudden something clicked for that team and they ran the table and they won the Super Bowl. I'm hoping we catch the Chiefs sleepwalking this week because right now they're down. Uh, but knowing what I know about Spagnola and Andy Reid, uh, they're not going to allow that to happen. Kansas City's defense is bad right now. They're 31st in the league against the run. They have a lot of problems on defense. Um, but this is a team that they're facing, and the Eagles, they have a lot of problems, period. Um, you know, and you know, I, I understand you know, Nick Sirianni's trying to be as positive as he can. Now, they're going to change some things up. But it's going to be interesting to see how this team now handles pressure, this new rookie head coach this basically rookie quarterback, uh, you know they've heard all the criticism this week, uh, radio, TV, print outlets, you know they've heard it. Whether directly or indirectly, somebody feeding them the information, they've heard it. And just three games into the season, you know, they've hit a crossroad here. And the schedule's not going to get any easier for a while. And so now you've, you've got to come out and, and run the ball against Kansas City. Run the ball. Because if you give that ball back to that other man, Patrick Mahomes, that's an offense that accidentally scores 30 points. You know, they're, they're going to find a way to score 30. You know, very seldom does, does it a, a defense hold them to under 20, 25 points. So you're going to have to match point for point. Can you? You can if you minimize mistakes. And if you stay true to what you said you were going to do out of training camp, commit to the run. In, in all my years – of, of playing, watching, and covering football. I've never been associated with a game where only three running plays have been called in an entire game. So uh, hopefully Nick has learned his lesson. Thank goodness it's early in the season, not late in the season. And I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see what game plan he has going up against Kansas City. Well, D-Gun, we, we <coughs> now know RPOs are considered runs. By circumstance, by in certain circumstances, by the head coach, I'm still trying to figure that one out. I can't agree with you more. 
Yeah. I I talked to you after the game on yeah. uh, uh, on on the live post game show, and my biggest concern uh, coming out of Dallas was mm-hmm. Nick Sirianni saying we knew we would have to keep up offensively with this team. In other words, he thought it was going to be a shootout, and he wanted to run up and down the floor, basket yeah. for basket, with the Dallas Cowboys. I agree with you. No, no, no. You got to go the opposite way. Yeah. You you yeah. you don't have the personnel to compete in that type of game, if he tries to do that against Kansas City, it's DOA. It's dead on arrival. you got to keep the football away yes. from Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Well, you know what's, what's funny, John, is that uh, when you go back and, and rehash that Cowboys game, uh, the Eagles had a chance to get back in it and make a game of it. Even, yeah. even, with, even with the game plan that they were, they were implementing, and all of a sudden, Jalen Hurst started missing receivers wide open. Yeah, uh, he threw his first two picks of the year. He underthrew that deep ball, um, so there were opportunities there for them. You know, he served up a pick six. Those were momentum changing moments in that game. So um, they they had a chance, and I do believe if they had, had, I don't think they will have they would have had as much success running against Dallas as they they could have against Kansas City. But they could have had a measure of success running the football to slow down Dallas's momentum. But basically, you played right into Dallas's hands and, and made that game the, lop, game the lopsided game that it was. So, you know, I understand every coach, you have a playbook. But you know what? You, you've got to flip the script now. You've got to do something that Kansas City isn't expecting or else it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly by halftime. D-Gun, uh, if you go back and look at the three games the Eagles have played, Week number one, they played very well against Atlanta. Good designed offense. Uh, shut down the Atlanta offense pretty much across the board. Week two against the 49ers, a team known to have a very good running scheme. Uh-huh. They didn't get beat by the 49ers running, but they didn't cold stop them either. No. A couple of 90-yard drives yep. uh, with the 49ers running the football. And then this past week, the Cowboys just shredded them. Yeah. Anytime they needed seven yards on first down, hey, pick or choose. We want to handle it to pilot. We want to handle it to Zeke. Doesn't matter. We'll get uh, well in front of the sticks on uh, second down. What eagle run defense is going to show up against Kansas City this week? Does it even matter? Because are the Chiefs going to run the ball? Are they going to Andy Reid take a page out of Nick Sirianni's book and say, "Yeah, let Patrick Mahomes throw it fifty some odd times." A little bit more understandable, Mahomes than Hurts, but uh, what kind of eagle defense against the run is going to pop up on Sunday? Man, your your guess is as good as mine. I mean, you go back to that Atlanta game. You know, Atlanta's uh, first two drives they had twenty nine plays in their first two drives. Uh, against the 49ers, once the 49ers started making adjustments, um, they started chewing up the clock to keep to make sure the Eagles weren't getting the football. And they had a couple of long touchdown drives, eight, nine-minute drives uh, to turn the momentum in that game. And, of course, Dallas, one of Dallas' scoring touchdowns was like, what, a nine-minute drive. Uh, it, it seems to be that this is the M.O. of this defense. And outside of Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox, I don't know who you can count on in this defense. Darius Slay is okay. Steve Nelson is okay. But if you're not getting pressure on a quarterback, I don't care how good your cornerbacks are. They're going to get burned eventually. You can't let a quarterback stand back there and, and pat the ball for three, three and a half seconds because that man's got Travis Kelsey. He's got Tariq Hill. He's got this kid named Mecole Hartman. He's got a running back named Clyde Hilaire. So there's weapons on top of weapons in this offense that they can go to. 
So the, the front seven has to find a way to get some kind of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And even with that said, as we've seen in recent years, Mahomes like a magician, throwing across his body, through no-look passes and stuff like that. The kid's amazing. So he's going to make his plays. Trying to minimize his plays is the key. And you notice I emphasize the word trying because I'm not, I'm not too sure about this Eagles defense right now. Um, losing Brandon Graham was huge in terms of leadership and a guy coming off that edge. Against the Cowboys, I didn't see it consistently enough from Josh Sweat, from Derek Barnett. Um, and another thing, if you can keep Barnett's head on, uh, in the right place and not make dumb plays, that's a big plus. Minimizing uh, penalties. This is the most penalized team in the National Football League. Minimizing penalties. So there's a lot of things that go into the ingredients for this defense uh, to be successful against this Kansas City offense. You know, until um, um, or this season, Patrick Mahomes had never thrown an interception in the month of September in his, his young NFL career. So, you know, this this team, seem, this Kansas City team offensively right now seems to be out of whack just a little bit, but they're still a very dangerous team. Your, this Eagles defense has got to be on its P's and Q's from start to finish. Well, I can't emphasize this enough. It could get ugly in a hurry for the home team. Uh, all right. Well, I'm looking, Deacon, for some optimism. Uh, I'm, it's very difficult to find it, but I'm, I'm going to throw this out. Okay. So I want to I want to hear what you think about this. You, okay. We always talk about styles make bites. Uh, the Cowboys uh, like to run the football. They right. can run the football. They like to go downhill. I think BG, as you mentioned. That's a bigger loss than people realize, especially in right. the run game. Right. Because even though um, things went between the tackles, what BG's absence allowed Dallas to do was double-team Fletcher, double-team mm-hmm. Javon, and mm-hmm. then just go downhill against those linebackers. The Chiefs don't want to do that, number one. Mm-hmm. They don't have that kind of mentality, right. that kind mm-hmm. of, of, of sentiment. Two, Jonathan Gannon's zone can keep everything in front of you Mm-hmm. Maybe they limit the big plays that way. Kansas City doesn't try to run the football. I'm looking for something. What do you think of that that avenue? Um, you know what? Uh, that That's the wishful thinking. <laughs> but you know the Chiefs are going to take their deep shots. That's what their offense does. They're going to take three or four deep shots in this game. They're going to work you underneath with Travis Kelsey. They're going to they're gonna touch you up a little bit in the running game because once you start laying back, on the pass game, they're going to hit you with Clyde Hilaire. Uh, and that little kid is electric. Man, can, can, can he flat out ball? So you're going to have to pick and choose your poison. I like your optimism. You know, I'm not saying this is Custer's last stand. I'm not going to go that far yet. But I'm just saying you've got to flip the script completely uh, and do something that Kansas City's not expecting to make this a competitive game. All right, this will be a return game for Andy Reid, and we know Andy has a relationship with the fans. He's got a relationship with Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman and Derek Gunn and a whole bunch of people here in town. Right. But none with Nick Sirianni. Their paths really haven't crossed. And if anything, Andy might be motivated to just make sure Jeffrey knows that he may have made a mistake by uh, letting his guy, Doug Peterson, go and hiring this guy who he's going to coach circles around on Sunday. Does Andy's ex-relationship with this town and many people in it have any impact on the outcome of Sunday's game? 
No, I don't think so. Uh, for Andy Reid, for Steve Spagnola, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, it's all about coming in here in a hostile environment and, and winning a game. You know, that's the bottom line, winning a game. You know, who thought we would be sitting here right now talking about the Chiefs at the bottom of the barrel in the AFC West? You know, I never thought that would happen. Uh, it's all about X's and O's, W's and L's for Andy. Um, you know, he's going to enjoy the moment in terms of coming here. But Andy's never been an emotional guy. In all the years I've known him, he's never been an emotional guy. Um, he, he, he always tries to leave the, the, the emotion element out of it in terms of distractions outside of the game itself. Um, he will enjoy the moment. He'll wave to a few people, <clears throat> you know. And, but he's all about his business coming in here on Sunday. And how interesting it is, in Andy's last couple of years here in Philadelphia, people couldn't wait for them to fire Andy Reid, get him out of town. All of a sudden, he goes to Kansas City, has success, wins himself a Super Bowl finally, and all of sudden, these people are back on the Andy, Weed, Andy Reid bandwagon. Yeah, You know, they're big fans of Andy Reid. But you know what? You know, I, I respect the fan base of Philadelphia, and they understand. It was a move that at the time that had to be made. You had to make that move and move in a do, different, different direction. Uh, but the fact that so many people now still reach out to Andy Reid and show Andy Reid a lot of love, especially earlier in the week when he was down with dehydration, uh, there were a lot of people out here from the Philadelphia fan base that really extended their well wishes to Andy. And, uh, you know, that says a lot about the fan base here as well. You know, I agree with you, D-Gun. I think the shelf life was over at the time yeah, here. But yeah. I do think about, you know, 140 wins in Philadelphia. If he wins on Sunday, that'll be number 100 uh, with Kansas City. Mm -hmm. um, he came to the Chiefs. They were 2-14. and 14. A lot of people right. forget right. the season before with Romeo Cornell. He immediately turned that team to an 11-win season. You go out to Pittsburgh. Bill Cower had this little um, hiccup uh, during his stint with the Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Remember... He never won a Super Bowl, right. and people were calling, we're done with Bill Cowher. He's never yep. going to win the big one. Right. The Steelers got over that hump. All of a sudden, they win. He rides off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Steelers are most known for continuity. Right. You ever think about if the Eagles just hunkered down, got over that hump, kept one of the greatest coaches of all time in mm -hmm. place? I think it would have started up again. I think they would have been in a similar position as Kansas City. Am I wrong? No, I, I agree. Um, you know, one thing about Andy Reid, um, players love playing for an Andy Reid. You know, and, and Andy Reid um, is going to give you his all-time best. I, you're right. If, he, if Andy Reid had stayed here, um, they would have gone through some more growing pains. Uh, but but they would they would have changed things up eventually. They may have added different coaches around him. They would have added different scouting personnel around him and kept this thing going. Would Andy Reid have won his Super Bowl in here uh, in Philadelphia? I, I don't know. <clears throat> but he would have had this team competitive. You know, when I came here in 1997, this was a team that was in the, the final stages of Ray Rhodes. Uh, they had a 10-6 and six year one year. And then all of a sudden they bottomed out the next year and they made the switch to this guy that nobody had ever heard of named Andy Reid. And, you know, Andy Reid went through his rough year, uh, his first year. They drafted some quarterback named Donovan McNabb I've never heard of before, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and so the rest is history. He made this team relevant for, uh, for over a decade. You know, he gave the city a lot of pride in, in his football team. 
you know, they were a national watch three, four, five times a year, every year uh, in the Andy Reid regime. So, yeah, uh, I think if they, they stuck it through weather this storm, this team would have risen back up to, to the upper echelon of the National Football League. But I think, you know, when I talked to Andy about it, even Andy, when I, I went out to interview Andy a couple times in Kansas City, um, he knew it was time also. He knew it was time for him to change as well. So it was like a mutual uh, agreement that, you know what, we need to go our separate ways. As much as they loved each other, it was time for them to separate. Uh, D-Gun, I'm going to give you a bunch of stat lines here. Um, Six receptions and eight targets, 71 yards. Two receptions with seven targets for 16 yards. And three receptions and six targets for 28 yards. One touchdown reception the first week of the season. That's Mm -hmm. Devontae Smith. Mm -hmm. Um, To say not great would probably be an understatement. There are many reasons for it. What did the Eagles have to do to upgrade those numbers? Eagles, Mm -hmm. Jalen, Devontae himself, the head coach. A lot of people would contribute to getting these numbers up to what was expected. And Mm -hmm. I had very high expectations, maybe unfair high expectations. How do you get Devontae Smith going? Run the ball consistently. If you're picking up four or five yards of crack, uh, that's going to help set up that play action. You're going to suck in the linebackers. Maybe a safety is going to have to come down in the box. It's going to force the Kansas City secondary to play more one-on-one coverage. And I think that's the best way with the, with the creativity that Devontae Smith have, has in his route runner, being such an efficient route runner that he is. Um, he's a technician when it comes to running routes. I think that's the best way um, to, to free him up in one-on-one coverage. And even if you don't hit him deep, give him more opportunities over the middle as well. You know, even on the out routes, you know, the eight, 10-yard out routes, the quick slant route, quick post routes, hitch post, uh, you know, hitch pass, anything you can get on the ball. Anyhow, any way, shape, or form, you can get this young man the ball. And don't forget about that guy named Quez Watkins. I don't think Quez Watkins gets enough touches as well. You know, he is the fastest player on the team. Utilize that speed, which they haven't been able to do consistently. But if you can suck Kansas City's defense up with your run game, that's going to open up a lot of things for your RPO and your play-action game as well. Uh, okay, Deacon, where are you with Jalen Hurts then? Because we talk about running the football. We talk right. about the play-action game. Is this a guy who can step back, throw the football consistently to an open Devontae Smith down the field, in the middle of the field? You know, we talked about some of the accuracy issues in mm-hmm. Dallas. Is, is that just a bad day? Is he capable of doing that? Or did the Eagles have to build this offense into a more, for a lack of a better term, college type RPO atmosphere. Did they have to do that for Jalen Hurts? I think he has a good arm. I, I, I'm not going to say he has a great arm, but but there's ways you can you can he, a quarterback like Jalen can eat defenses up in the intermediate game. You know what he may be lacking in terms of long ball strength. You can eat, eat him up. Look at how many quarterbacks dink and duck down there, dink and dunk their way down the field to success. And I think you can do the same thing. You have two very good tight ends in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. You've got good running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield in Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders can now, by the way, he cannot be in the game and only have five touches. You cannot have five touches for one of your most electric players. Get him the ball out in space. Line him up in a slot. Swing pass. Screen. Middle screen. Left screen. Right, right screen. 
whatever you have to do to get him the ball. Um, Jalen Hurst can be just as efficient in a, in a passing game like that, you know, and you, you can, you can have a lot of success with the speed that he has Jalen Rager in the slot, Quez Watkins on this side, Devonte Smith on this side, somebody's getting open, somebody's getting open, but make it a timing rhythm offense. You know, you want to take a, you want to take a few deep shots. You know what? Start sucking the defenses back seven in, start sucking them in and let your guys wiggle free. That's when you get the shots. I mean, Jalen has shown that he can throw a decent deep ball. You know, it may not, like, again, he may not have the strongest arm in the National Football League, but so what? He can be efficient. But you have to put this young man in situations that are playing to his strengths and not exposing whatever deficiencies he may have. All right, D-Gun, we put out there a couple potential scenarios for Sunday's action between the 49ers, excuse me, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Mm -hmm. But one of them's going to actually happen. There's a yeah, couple of yeah. we, the optimistic Johnny's trying to look optimistic nah, all day nah. today. Well, wait to hear my I score. See, <laughs> I, I, I see he's having a tough time with it. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to give my score with John coming back yeah. next segment. We need to put you on the uh, hot seat for your mm. prediction for this week's game. Are you buying into one of the less presented scenarios where the Eagles actually really stick it to Andy Reid and have him walking out the door at one and three on Sunday? Will it be a competitive game that's close that may not quite go the Eagles' way? Or are we looking at major questions after a blowout by the Chiefs on Sunday? How do you see it playing out? I think it's going to be a competitive game uh, for a while. But I think in the final analysis, I, I, I have Kansas City 34, Eagles 24. Um, I don't think it's going to be the route the way it was down in Dallas. But I do think eventually Kansas City with a better team, better offensive personnel, they put a, pull away down the stretch um, and win this one by double digits. The gun, a pleasure. We're looking forward to catching you on Sunday on the uh, post-game live. Jay Mack will be with you and your crew of uh, Eagle uh, degenerates, including that Lane Johnson guy. They are can, feel free wow. to ask Lane about wow. the wow. offensive. Oh, uh, he, called, he, he called Devin Caney a degenerate? Devin Caney? Come oh, on. Oh, my goodness. Now, more of a you, Farzetta no, thing. I know yeah, Farzetta a long time. So I was, I was thinking of him more than anybody else. Don't tell Lane Johnson I called him a degenerate because no, he no. could he could hurt me bad. So Jody he, calls me he, worse than that, but Devin, yeah, not Devin. Yeah. You, you know, can me, call me, me a degenerate. Me and Mark Farzetta, uh, you know, okay, we're questionable. I admit it. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go that uh, you know. Now it's more Farzetta than that. That degenerate Mark Farzetta. There you go. I I narrow focus it for you. You cannot hurt my feelings. You can't hurt me, man. Same, man. I'm with you, D-Gun. Thank you much for hopping on with us. We'll be watching you on Sunday, buddy. Thank you, guys. You guys have a great weekend. Derek Gunn from the Eagles Post Game Live here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I haven't taken a shot at Farzetta since he joined the uh, troops, so I felt I needed to take it. No, that's Uh, fine. You just got to leave Devin out of it. You know, Farzetta's fine. Take shots at him. Yeah, I didn't. uh, You're right. I... I I used buckshot when I should have used shells <laughs> and uh, fired directly at my buddy Mark Twizetta. All right, uh, the two buds, McMullen and McDonald, will come back. We'll officially get on the record, make a pick for the Eagles versus the Chiefs on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. He said he was going positive, folks. 
He was looking hard for positivity today. I was looking. I was looking, but I didn't find it. Okay. So we'll come back and probably not be all that positive, but you got to come back and find out just the same here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, we're going to put a bow on this show. Football Friday on Birds 365. Both Johnny Mac and I will get on the record with our predictions for the Chiefs and the Eagles on Sunday. But before we do that, what will John McMullen accomplish today? As soon no. as the show is over, he's going exit stage left, running down to Lincoln Financial Field. Are you going directly to the Shady McCoy official resign uh, from the NFL as an Eagle retirement gathering? Are you going to the Eagles practice? What is your uh, business as soon as you get off the air here on 
the Jacob Media YouTube channel? Uh, my business is to get ready as quickly as humanly possible to try to get down there for the Shady Press Conference. I'll probably, that'll be touch and go. I'll make it down for the practice, which starts at 1125. And then it's off to the Novacare Complex for Nick Sirianni uh, and his pre pre-game press conference, the final one. All right. So do you park at the Novacare Complex or walk over to the stadium? Do you park at the stadium and then take your car over to the Novacare Complex? How do you get back and forth between the two? No, you park at the stadium and then drive to the complex. Okay. Does Does Nick Sirianni drive in a car or do they have a golf cart to bring him back and forth? Car. Car. Everybody. Oh, he actually does Andy, yeah. Andy Waddle was late last uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> going across he was he was booking to get down to practice um yeah i've driven behind doug peterson you take your car it's a little bit too long for a while if you're if you're going to walk that you're there's not enough time in the day you're going to be late because others yeah. are getting in the cars you yeah. can only walk so fast i guess i was just wondering if everybody anybody did the golf cart thing because up until today today was the first day of fall as far as i'm concerned you could actually do the golf cart thing because it was nice no. If you had time, but you know, coaches and I haven't shaved in days since getting back to Dallas. I mean, they don't have time to do anything. They don't have time for a leisurely walk to to go from, you know, and you don't want a golf cart trying to get through Broad Street. Come on, have some fun. What are you talking about? Nick Sirianni's beloved in this town. Yeah. He could just wave and stop traffic. All right, yeah. maybe not. Um, all right, Jay Mac, you and I need to get on the record for the uh, Eagles and the Chiefs. I will go first and allow you to continue to attempt to ruminate on positivity for this game coming up on Sunday. No, I was trying to find some positivity. Uh, All right, you're tipping your hand. Um, I will quickly recap how my selections have gone here on Birds 365. Week one against the Atlanta Falcons, I thought the Eagles could win the game. And I had a score written down on my seat before the show started. We got Ed Kratz on, and he said 23-20 Eagles. The score that I'd written down ahead of time was 23-20 Eagles. So I said, I like it. I'm going with Ed Kratz. We're riding together. We think Eagles are going to win. That's my score. That's what I'm going with. And, of course, Eagles won, and they won even more handily than either Ed or I thought. Week number two, our Friday guest was Rob Motti. And Rob Mighty predicted the Eagles to lose to the 49ers 22 to 20. I was thinking about doubling down on my 23 <laughs> to 20 from the week before. But I said, you know what? No, no. I'm going to double down with agreeing with the guests. So I'll go to 22 to 20 49ers, which, of course, the 49ers won. The score wasn't exactly right. As a matter of fact, if you're worried about the actual point spread of the game, 22-20, you would have taken the Eagles. You would have lost. So uh, kind of split, split the baby on that one. On Monday, we had uh, – who the heck was on with us? Oh, BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton, because you were a guest on Monday live from Dallas, but BLG was on early with Jeff Kerr and I. And BLG's prediction was Eagles lose by a touchdown. And I think I had my score written down as 34-27, I think, something like that. And BLG had it more like 27-20. But he had the Eagles losing by touchdown. I had the Eagles losing by touchdown. So I said, I'm going with BLG score. 
I should have stayed with my score because it's actually closer to what the final score was because there was more scoring involved. J-Mac, J I'm doubling down again. I'm not going with the exact same score that Ed Kratz did, but I'm going to reproduce. Three weeks in a row I've reproduced and or borrowed and or bid off, depending <laughs> on how you want to look at it. You know what I'm going to reproduce as this week's score? Monday score. I've written it down. If you can see it, can you see that there? Do you, you, can you 41 21 Chiefs. That was the score with the Eagles and the Cowboys this past yeah. Monday. I fear the score will be exactly the same again. Kansas City 41, Philadelphia 21. So, positive. If we're looking for positivity on Birds 365, it's not coming from McDonald's. Yeah, I was looking. I didn't say I found it. I was trying to come up with some different ways. I I don't I don't like uh, the situation. The fact that obviously Kansas City is is a, a good team that has had a bad start, um, and they're probably a little bit angry, or probably a little bit upset about it. Uh, yeah, I I I don't see how. Uh, the Eagles can keep up with this offense. I hope the coach realizes that and doesn't try to keep up with this offense and tries to go in a different direction than he did in Dallas. Um, I have it 35 to 18 Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, I you know, people say because you know, Ed's been the homer. Ed Cratch picked the Eagles three consecutive times. Uh, this is the only time he has gone in a different direction. Really? This is his first anti-Eagle yeah. week? First anti-Eagles week. Really? So I called him a homer. I have gone the opposite direction. Yeah, you, I'm 4-0. and oh. the opposition I'm, three straight he, times. Even Atlanta. So I'm 2-1. and one. Um, Shouldn't have picked Atlanta, to say the least. I overestimated that circumstance. Um, I don't think I'm going to be wrong on this one, unfortunately. Uh, a touchdown, double digits, 35 18. Touchdowns. 35 18. Okay. Chiefs, you're, you're not far from where I'm at, but I'm even more of a blowout than you are. All right, uh, if we are correct, and this game is uh, certainly a Chiefs victory and maybe a heavy handed, if not lopsided, Chiefs victory, um, you've got the Eagles scoring 18 points, I've got them getting. 21, which is not great either way you slice it. Um, zero to 10. Zero being complete and utter silence. 10 being screaming at the top of their lungs. If Jalen Hurts is a loser again and has a similar game to the one he had against the Cowboys because he put up good numbers. But if you watch the game, you realize Jalen Hurts did not play well. Oh, by the way, yards and points at the end of the game that really didn't matter. Um, if he has a similar type game, what's the UN cry for Gardner Minshew after this week? Zero being complete and utter silence. Ten being screaming at the top of his lungs and every yard arm. Mm -hmm. Gardner, Gardner, Gardner. Where does your uh, gardener I'm, I'm, meter I'm, fall? I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's still very low. I'm going to put it at one. One? Okay. Only because there's always people that, you know, always want to see the backup quarterback. Well, not Joe Flacco, but Gardner Minshew. Um, 
So you're always going to have that constituency. But I think people this week won't be as loud as Dallas week because one, Dallas is a rival. Uh, two, Dallas isn't as good. I think people realize, okay, Kansas City's really good. We're not supposed to beat this team. I think people thought the Eagles really had a chance. A lot of Eagles fans thought they really had a chance in Dallas because they don't think the Cowboys are that good. They know the Chiefs are good. Um, so I don't think, in from that perspective, I don't think it'll be as bad. Fair enough. Um, just double-checking this. I should know it off the top of my head, but I don't. Gardner Minshew has been deactivated all three weeks yeah. so far, correct? Yeah. We did say at the beginning of the season, when they acquired him, they played his uh, short preseason here in Philadelphia, that that would be a telltale thing. At some point, we both expected Gardner Minshew to become active for Eagle games, either as the third quarterback and Eagles activate three, not likely, but maybe uh, at some point he needs to be the backup or would they just jump him from deactivated all the way to starter? When do you think that's going to happen? Um, I I only think I, I, I don't think he's going to be the backup anytime soon. I think the only way Gardner Minshew plays is if Jalen Hurts gets hurt and it's a long-term injury, then I think they might kind of shift their thinking. I've said from the start, if they need Joe Flacco to come in during a game, it's going to be obviously Joe Flacco. He's the active one. If they need him for a game or two, which a short-term injury, sprained ankle, something like that, uh, it's going to be Joe Flacco. If they need a quarterback for nine, ten games, they might say, okay, let's see what Gardner has as the younger player. They might shift their thinking. As far as being active as the third-string quarterback, that I think that has all to do with injuries. If they have a ton of injuries this week, one week, and they don't have to worry about those roster spots because guys can't play, they might activate them uh, to have them on the field. But I think that's more injury-related at other positions. Either way, it's going to be, uh, I think, high scoring and a lot of points put on the board between the Chiefs and the Eagles. As a matter of fact, yeah, I like both the Chiefs and the over this week. whole bunch of uh, activity down at the Lincoln uh, Financial Field, including the Shady McCoy retirement on Sunday. Get yeah. those 25 jerseys out, folks. Don't yeah. know gonna help hopefully, hopefully, game, but... hopefully Miles Sanders doesn't run it two more times than Shady McCoy on Sunday. Because if that happens, we, we might start to have some problems. Yes, and we'll be talking about it uh, come next week right here on Birds 365. J-Mac, have a great weekend on your Eagle duties. Uh, appreciate you, bud. You too, Jody. Enjoy the ships. I assume there are coming a plenty. Saturday, I got uh, double duty. WIP in the afternoon, CBS Sports Radio at night. Uh, See? So yes, I knew it. I'll be doing plenty of previewing of the Eagles uh, before we get to Sunday. We'll be back on Monday recapping an Eagle victory. Doubtful, but we'll give it a shot. Stay tuned. Uh, check out all your action here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel over the weekend. Our boys from the middle coming up later today. Dan Cilio as well. Thanks for tuning in to Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.